0: hello hello and welcome to the Roll podcast. I'm your host John Harris, and today on Roll podcast we have raphael winewith broth wine Roth Brown. I am so sorry, sir. I just turned your last name into broth. <laughs> no worries. nobody wants soup on a hot day <laughs> Raphael roth Brown has that ever happened to you before by chance?
1: uh usually people have uh butchered it more uh than that, but uh with the best intentions as opposed to just mixing up the syllables. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, actually, that was that was just kind of a, a nice accident.
0: Cool. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. All right. And he's got a new album called Worlds Within Live, which is released on July 2nd. Right now I'm being joined by RWB himself to share some more information <laughs> about what he's got going on. And the cool thing uh, for those listening in is February of 2020, Episode 603. So if you go ahead and go to the rock and roll podcast.ca, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you're listening, if it is on YouTube, I don't remember, but check it out. Let me know in the comments below. Uh, episode 603. We chatted about the album Worlds Within, and now this is a live version of the album.
1: Yep, that's right. So it's uh, basically a kind of a re exploration of the record. Um, there was a lot of interest in worlds within when it came out i was a bit surprised to be honest at uh how much people were interested in in the record because for me it was almost a sort of experimental project and uh so when i when i released it you know and a lot of people were enjoying it and it sort of it seemed to gain momentum throughout the year and then of course with the pandemic i didn't get to tour the album i only got to play a couple shows do a few live streams uh but i thought you know it'd be really nice to kind of revisit this music uh by playing it live in real time you know with the uh live looping as opposed to the way it was recorded just multi-tracked and to kind of get into it again that way and uh uh and basically share that live rendition it's sort of like a, a pre-recorded live stream in a way but in high quality that you could watch uh as you know youtube videos but also listen to as an album And then that idea seems to have uh, kind of developed. So originally it was just going to be videos and then it was just going to be videos and digital album and streaming. And now there's a CD and I'll probably do vinyl as well. So it's kind of uh, blossomed into something much bigger than I expected, which is which is awesome. So
0: Mm -hmm. are you doing this all on your own or do you have label support?
1: oh i don't have a label I've, yeah i've done everything on my own um i work with uh, obviously uh with ear split pr who uh, connected us for this interview uh but Woo! apart from the publicity yeah shout out to Earsplit.
0: split Woo! liz yeah. liz yeah. connected us i believe
1: that's right yeah
0: so liz i've been working
1: me. with yep yeah. uh so that's been super helpful for the promotion of the videos um and the record but uh but apart from that, yeah, I'm working with uh, with a couple of people here in town that, you know, do all of my sort of production stuff for, for audio and video. And uh, basically everybody, everybody who's worked on the record, uh, who's helped me in, in any capacity with the recording or the video or the visuals uh, is from the Ottawa area, which is super cool. So It's very homegrown. But yeah, it's like a one man operation apart from that. Um, <laughs> it's a big job, but... Uh, but it's it's been very rewarding, and uh, I'm really glad that it's it's out and that uh, people are liking it so far. So,
0: mm-hmm. well, they liked the first album, from what you were saying, or they liked yeah. Worlds, Worlds Within. So, I guess does it surprise you that people like this one?
1: Uh, not too much, but at the same time, there's uh, there's a bit more of a rawness to the live version, uh, which makes it feel a little bit less like. Uh, I guess, a polished album, but also there are certain things about it that I think are better in a way. So there are certain aspects I think we were almost able to improve on. Um, we were in a better space for the recording for the most part, and we used a better close mic on the cello. And I think those things uh, played a role for sure. And uh, and I knew the material more, like I had kind of internalized it because when I made the record, I was, I had a, a the concept of it but I'd never performed it live and I had no intention of playing it live either and um, I was kind of I was improvising my way through a lot of the parts too um, so there were certain things that just sort of came out that ended up on the album whereas when I did the live version I had kind of relearned those things and I'd figured out you know what worked and what didn't in a live setting and I kind of had a deeper understanding of the uh, the thematic concepts of the music and sort of what it meant to me and the sound worlds and everything. So I think I was able to bring this more informed perspective uh to the music this time and I think there's certain parts that they have a bit more immediacy, they're a bit more dramatic. There's uh some arrangements that I changed a little bit for the sake of playing it live to make it possible with the loops and everything. And I think those parts uh some some of those uh, modified sections actually are uh are a little bit better i think uh some of them i i prefer so so there there have been some i don't know i don't really want to call it improvements it's more of a companion record but but definitely it's just been nice to see also a good reception for this um it's a record that i i kind of put together a bit more on the fly whereas the original studio album was kind of just worked on until it was complete and then i started telling people that it existed and then uh, I, I was very methodical with the promo and I, I took a lot of time to like get it out to, uh, you know, review sites and stuff like well in advance. I was very organized and this time around I was just kind of like flying by the seat of my pants a little bit, just <laughs> trying stuff. Uh, so it's, it's just reassuring that it's still, things are still working, you know?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you ever open up your emails to people with cello? I don't, but that's because uh, I think I've
1: probably gotten it from so many people already, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then there's one other cello joke, but it's inappropriate, so I won't say it. Um, I'm sure
1: there's at least at least
0: one. At least one. Yeah, the one about how cellists play or something, and it's between their legs. Okay, that thing. cello microphones. Uh, not that there's necessarily a cello microphone, there's a few different ways you could do it. Uh, I'd probably recommend a, r- a combination of a ribbon microphone and a bass response dynamic or a condenser of some kind, but you mentioned that it was a better setup. So I know in the video also as well, I saw you playing through an orange amp. So maybe for those, right. of, yeah, for those of us gearheads out there who were kind of wondering how you bring, cause it's an acoustic cello, correct?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 100% acoustic cello, but I'm using a pickup, so it's a removable pickup, um, and so the cello is being close miked for the acoustic sound, and I also have the pickup on simultaneously, and then I'm running that through a uh, jack cable into the uh, into the effects, and then into the loop station, and then um, out of that, then it goes into the into the amp. But also um for the live recording, what we did for certain things is we, we ran a DI and we we um captured the direct uh, signals from the loop channels. I'm using a BOSS RC three hundred uh loop station. It's got three channels of looping. And then you can you can basically get like the the left right from the looper, um which uh proved to be useful in mixing. Uh uh-huh. it's a complicated setup because you have all these different things happening all at once. And you're trying to get a good balance and blend of all of them. And but one one thing that I think is really really cool that not a lot of people do, but that I like, is to blend the sound of an acoustic cello close miked with uh, the sound of an amp. Um, And I think most people, you know, would use like a they would amplify themselves with like a DPA live, and then they would, you know, run that through a PA system. But I just like I like cello going through an amp. Um there's something about the way the sound breaks up a little bit and the amp sort of has a life of its own and the pedals like there's this something a bit analog about it and a bit like unpredictable where it's shaping the sound in its own way um in addition to what you're doing um and on top of that also one thing that we did with the the amp miking was that we close mic'd it um the way you would normally but then we also had two room mics on the amp instead of on the cello um, so basically we had them going out like a, as a you know, a V, mm-hmm. um, from, from the, uh, from the, um, the cab.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like three feet away, six feet away.
1: Yeah. it's probably about six feet away. Um, you know, in a separate room. So where this was recorded, it was kind of like this barn in the woods basically. And I'm on the top level and then the, the amp is on the bottom level. It's on this, uh, like a concrete floor so that we we're able to get the separation um of the of the tones
0: separation of the tones that's the title of your next album (laughs) (laughs) separation of the tones sweet okay now something else you mentioned was you were doing uh some live streams now i've chatted with artists who hate it i've chatted with artists who love it do you hate it do you love it um at first i hated it uh i kind of got
1: dragged into it you know uh, as everyone, I think, did at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so my first experience of it wasn't good. Um, but uh, but in general, I think I had a lot of feelings about live streaming prior to that that made me feel a bit apprehensive and uncomfortable. Just the idea of like not really having the feedback of an audience and uh, feeling like it's almost like you have to be playing like an album performance because when people are behind a screen, I think that they're a bit more critical and they're, they don't just sort of lose themselves in the energy of the, of the concert setting or whatever. They're a little bit more critical, right? You know, it's just the way it is when you're behind a screen, you can kind of sit back and go, you know, I think they could have done that better. So I think that all those thoughts were getting to me, but then I started to do it more. What really uh, changed the game for me was, uh, I did a, a sort of a longer show in, uh, in July last year. And, um, you know, it was like a solo show. It was just my stuff. I played, I played worlds within, I played some other solo material as well. And, uh, I had a really good response and, um, you know, I could see people commenting and I could chat with them on, on the stream and, uh, I had set everything up properly with the audio, um, at home. So I was able to really kind of control everything and, um, you know, do, do the best I could and and be comfortable. Um, and then I really enjoyed it. And I did a couple more after that. And, um, I'd like to keep doing it. Actually, I really, I really like this format. And, uh, so now I've embraced it a lot. I, I think live streaming is really cool, but I think that it's not as cool if you don't get to talk to the audience during the show and connect with them. I think it's not as cool for them either. And I think it's not as cool when you don't, Uh, know what your audio is like uh, Mm -hmm. going into the stream like if someone is doing the, the audio for you and you don't get to vet that where you just have to kind of trust them you know go in blind faith for me like especially with this looping stuff it's very particular and i have a kind of a vision of how i want to hear that you know the balance of the voices and and just the overall sound um and i you know I have to explain that to someone if, if I wanted them to engineer it. And like that's part of why I made a live record as opposed to like just, you know, live streaming in super high quality, because there's just so much that goes into that, there's so much detail. And like if it if it doesn't translate properly, it's kind of like it just looks bad on you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it always comes back to you. Like if you work with people who are, you know, engineering or uh doing a video or whatever it is, like it, usually the feedback doesn't, you know, come to them. It's like they're kind of, you know, out of the picture, but then it's like, it's your responsibility. Like you take responsibility for all those technical things that might not have been up to par or, you know, satisfying to, to the audience. So
0: I've written down separation of tones going into the stream. Yeah. 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 Separation I think, of tones going into the stream. It's deep. It's deep, Raphael. you were gonna say i'm sorry no 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 well i was gonna say like that's that's something
1: with live streaming for sure when um when you've got like an acoustic instrument and an amp in the same space how do you how do you blend that but what i found is that um you know i rely mostly on the the cello mic actually to just capture the bleed of the amp and then i get uh you know just a, like a a fifty seven on the amp to get a little bit more of the clarity of the what's actually coming out of the uh, out of the cab and then I just blend those but I, I feel like you know it's it's really that simple it's like you're getting these two different uh types of sound to to mesh together, but like the the acoustic sound gives you the definition of the cello like it gives you the bow sound right but then the um the amp gives you this kind of wash and you know it, it obviously is transmitting all of the effects all the reverbs and delays and particularly with the worlds within material there's a lot of those mm-hmm. so um that kind of gives you this expansiveness and and wash that i think um it just magnifies the cello so it becomes this kind of like this super cello sound you know it's <laughs> it's you know, it's gonna be bigger than, it's a bit larger than life so to speak and i like that you know i think it's really cool but it doesn't sound like uh it's unnatural. It just sounds bigger and more expansive.
0: I think you just defined why guitar players plug into an amp in the first place.
1: Yeah. Plus also <laughs> for a guitar, I mean you don't have you don't really have sustain otherwise. You know what I mean? You need to you need to be amplified to have sustain. Whereas with cello we have a bow, so we can sustain regardless. But okay. with cello, um, we have a bow. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, on the snotty podcast, here we go. <laughs> Cello has a bow, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that
1: was going to come out eventually. Yeah,
0: Zeppelin took care of that. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? If every guitarist, like electric guitarist, wants more sustain.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: that's that's pretty normal.
0: Yeah, we've got
1: the Ebo. Yeah, ebows are cool.
0: They are. Uh, yeah. Probably. Well, maybe they're still used. I just don't know about it, but. I think of it as more of like a late 80s, early 90s sort of phenomenon.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I associated a lot with um, the album Blackwater Park by Opeth, actually, because you hear a lot of hear a lot of Ebo with that like harmonic mode on. It's like very characteristic of that record in particular.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They use it on the Black Album, if anybody can pick it out from Metallica.
1: Okay. Which song is that that they use it on?
0: They use it all over the place, but uh, I believe they use it a lot on Unforgiven.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah,
0: yeah, especially in the yeah. beginning. Like, uh... Yeah. Uh, they also did use some synthesizers on there as well. I remember watching video of a dude on like an old Mac, one of the original Macs, and he was like MIDI programming stuff. Um, and they were glaring at him. He may or may not have also been programming the drum samples, which I know nobody wants to admit that, but they use drum samples as well. Um, but anyway, this is not about that. This is about you. And there were no drum samples on your record.
1: No. No, the uh, drums were created on cello. That's right. The percussion sounds, yeah. That's a whole other thing. But uh, that's, some, that's something I, I tried to yeah, explore in depth, obviously. Well, in some depth on this record. And, and we got to do it all again with the live version and kind of approach it from a different angle, um, trying to get the, uh, the cello drumming on the bridge pickup to sound convincing and good. Um, but uh, I've been doing it more and more, so I feel like I'm kind of getting a handle on on how to play it well and then it's just a question of getting the sounds to translate, you know, um, the blend of all the different signals that we're, we're capturing, that type mm-hmm.
0: of thing. So I'm thinking of a classical guitar player who's using the guitar as a drum, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't, how, how does it work in in terms of uh, string instruments? Because from a recording perspective, a guitar is technically a percussion instrument mm-hmm. uh, because of the way it's designed, because of the same frequencies that you would pull out of or emphasize in a drum. Uh, mm-hmm. Once a microphone is in front of it, it can sound very boxy the same way a drum would and especially an acoustic guitar can be used like a tambourine or something to just right. you know keep time or whatever. Electric guitar not so much, but acoustic guitar definitely. So, it doesn't sound like a convincing drum, but he's he's tapping it in different places. Are you doing something similar to like how a classical guitar player might emphasize or a flamenco guitar player might emphasize some rhythmic parts mm-hmm. smacking the guitar in different places?
1: No, because what they're doing is uh, w- something that would translate in a purely acoustic setting. Because they're using right. the bot, they're using the body of the instrument, um, and yeah, either they're they're muting the strings and and doing this, you know, various techniques, or they're playing on the actual body of the instrument and and kind of hitting the the body of the instrument. And that's something you can do on cello. You can get some really cool sounds that way. But what I'm doing is uh, I'm actually. Just using the bridge, and it's because I have this pickup. I I don't know of any other cello pickups that can do this, but I use one by a company called Shatten. Uh, it's a Canadian company, and I've been using their pickups for like yeah, hell yeah. So there I've been using their pickups since 2012 now, and they're great. Um, and I recommend them to everybody. And um, uh, so. Yeah, it was just kind of very randomly at a gig one day, I was in sound check and I was just kind of waiting, you know, as you do sometimes when you're, like, line-checking all the instruments, and I was just thumping the the pickup with my finger, basically, Um, it's like a transducer on the bridge, and then it was getting this kind of, especially out of the PA, you know, you get this really low bassy sound, sounds like a Mm -hmm. kick drum, and then I started kind of flicking the other side of the bridge with my, (laughs) my fingernail, and then, you know, it sounds like a cross stick, so it's kind of... It's got this almost like a hip-hop kind of sound it's not like real drums it's kind of more like electronic drums and uh and i dug that uh so then later on i got this delay pedal and i started playing with the delay pedal doing that and of course you get all these ghost notes Mm -hmm. coming off of the main hits and then i thought okay i can make some interesting grooves out of this and at first it, it felt very like okay i don't know how i'd be able to integrate this into an actual piece of music it's just too out there but then uh one day you know I started just doing this to to get to and then it turned into this uh this very busy groove with a lot of like 16th note ghost notes and that became the um the start of the tumult piece that's on on both records obviously that that begins with these kind of galloping uh drums uh-huh. so
0: yeah Next thing you know, the white girls are dancing and you're like, "Oh, this this could this could make me some money." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see about that. This shit that I'm doing is so so out there, but uh but yeah, it's uh what's funny about it is that it sounds kind of like um like electronic dance music in a way. Um mm-hmm. which is like the, pretty much the furthest away from the type of music that I listen to, but I think <laughs> it's really fascinating that um you know a lot of electronic music mimics classical music and acoustic instruments yes, but then it it's it's trying to replace them in a way but then it sounds different but what i'm really interested in is the the opposite where you see classical music you know new chamber music and that kind of stuff going and imitating electronic music and um sort of sounds that come more from like a, a modern era but then they're being uh, reinterpreted on older instruments And that concept is really fascinating to me. And that's something that I explored a lot on Worlds Within and also the track from above. You know, it's got like this very steady, just kind of quarter note, like thumping, kick drum beat, you know. It's very kind of disco in a way. But then around it, it's like you've got this kind of, it's like this mushogai sort of like uh, polyrhythmic uh, pattern that kind of loops around this very straight beat. Um, So it was kind of trying to uh merge all those different worlds uh in something that would sound cohesive and and uh you know just sound like its own thing not like an amalgamation of all the things that have influenced it.
0: Yeah. Well a lot of classical music was chamber music to dance to. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely. Yeah. Now you've just got to take Armin van Buren and Beethoven and make Armin van Beethoven. <laughs> okay. okay. And you're, you're good to go. a song that I'm dancing to, but I want to cry at the same time because it's so emotionally and uh, uh, captivating. Cool. All right. So we chatted about the album. We chatted about live streams. We chatted about uh, how you're hooking up your cello these days. Um, we chatted about how you were re-exploring the record. There's an interest in the record. Obviously, that's why you, you did this. Um, gained a lot of momentum throughout the year with the record. I don't think we missed anything. Did we miss anything, Raphael?
1: I mean, that's, that's basically the gist of it. Um, yeah. Uh, also, uh, it's got super cool artwork that is, uh, very kind of very much related to the uh, studio album artwork. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's basically just an incentive to go and buy physical copies of it because yes. they're nice. And, uh, spend money. as much as, yeah, well, spend money and have something that you can own, uh, which is definitely worth it. So please do that
0: exactly so in today's show notes so if you're listening on spotify it'll be on the show notes if you're on today's website it'll be on the show notes if you're on youtube it'll be in the show notes as well as links to uh three music videos that i uh received from liz over at Earsplit. so we've got unending one and from within two from above and tumult uno dos and trace uh, and there will
1: be one more video coming in okay. the future okay in the future yes yeah.
0: perfect so by the time this airs if that video is available that will also be uh in today's show notes so if you are spending some time today with the rock Metal podcast and thank you and spend some more time with some Raphael. uh and get some soup as well maybe and if you don't know what i'm talking about listen back to the beginning of the episode and get your mentality checked because you have a short attention span anyway uh thank you so much for coming on to the show all
1: right thanks man appreciate it
0: great to chat again